I'm Donnie. And I'm Anthony. And we make up the GW Branding Group, here to bring you the Off the Ground Podcast, the podcast where we interview entrepreneurs and find out how they got their businesses off the ground. Hey, this is Anthony and Donnie with the Off the Ground Podcast. We are here today with Jill Cook. I'm going to do a quick intro for us and then we'll jump right into it. So the Off the Ground podcast is all about bringing on entrepreneurs, business owners, and getting insights and tips on how to get your business off the ground. So um, I'll let Donnie take over and then we'll go right to Jill. Yeah, so I'm Donnie and uh, Jill, we'd just love to hear a little bit about your background. Thank you. Um, it's, It's a thrill for me to be here and to share what I do with everybody. My background is largely in business. I've worked for 30 years in business development improvement. I go into organizations, or I should say I went into organizations, identified their pain points, their bottlenecks, their complications, and then provided solutions with a concentration on HR, finance, operations, and administration. All the while studying neuroscience for 20 years, which really lent myself well to being able to improve culture in organizations. After doing that for about 30 years, I want to say 20, but that would be a lie, so it's more like 30 years, my husband and I had sort of like a relocation where we moved four times in four years, two of those during COVID. Um, Once we landed back here in Illinois, I went back into corporate America just to find that it it still kind of felt like my shoes were on the wrong feet. Um, I would go into companies and I would give them some remarkable plans to improve their workforce and their operations and they would only sort of half-heartedly implement my work. And my work to me is more about the fruits of my labor, not the finance. So even though I was very well compensated for what I was doing, when they didn't implement all of these incredible things I had for them, it was very unfulfilling for me. So I met with a girlfriend of mine and we were talking and she's like, and I can still hear her voice in my head. She's like, Jill, She's like, whenever you talk about business and finance and operations and neuroscience, she's like, your energy and your vibration just radiate out of you. I'm like, I know, right? And she's like, what are you going to do with that? And I'm like, I don't know because I really don't want to go back to corporate America. And then she's like, well, don't. And I had this epiphany. And she's like, you need to go into business consulting for yourself. And that's kind of what opened the floodgates um, and brought me to where I am here today sitting in front of you. That's awesome. Yeah, tell us more about uh, the your studies in neuroscience because I know that we had touched on that um, in past a, a few times. We've uh, connected, and uh, she's got some some great stories. But I want I want uh, everyone to kind of know about your studies in that sure. field and uh, how that relates to business. Okay, how I got into neuroscience in the first place is is sort of a sensitive topic, and it all began when one of my children at the age of 13 started demonstrating some manic bipolar disorder. Um, My daughter was also very oppositional, so she didn't want my help. But what I could do is I could empower myself and educate myself to try to manage that from my perspective. And I was nearly instantly hooked studying the brain, the anatomy, the physiology, the function, and mental health and mental wellness. And so, To the degree that I could, I helped her, but I continued with my studies. And then, um, unfortunately, my youngest son, who is now 24, he started demonstrating some significant mental illness when he was about 17. Um, But he, on the other hand, was very open to help. And so I'm not the type of person that's just going to follow a line of people and just believe everything I'm told. I'm a researcher, I'm a scientist, I'm a lifelong learner. 
And so what I did instead was I sought some somewhat alternative treatment for him and we took him to get a functional brain scan which actually scanned his brain and looked at every structure, every function, and how it was operating, whether it was overactive, underactive, or completely inactive. And what they identified was that his basal ganglia, his amygdala, his left temporal lobe were all highly, highly overactive, and there was a part of his prefrontal cortex which was completely inactive. Because of this, they said he's going to demonstrate these behaviors, and they were spot on. It was almost like a DNA of his personality. And then as a result, they gave him supplements. They didn't like put on a blindfold and say, well, let's try this prescription or let's try this prescription or let's try this prescription. They gave him supplements specifically for what parts of his brain were not working and it was a 180. And that really clinched it for me, my studies of neuroscience. I was completely in at this point because I saw how amazing the right treatment can be. Unfortunately, he decided not to follow the curriculum and things kind of went from bad to worse and then that's sort of what precipitated our four years of moving four times, um, trying to help our family. Mm. But it was a four-year season of, of sadness and fear and loss for me as a mother. At the end of it, I was at the lowest point of my life, which I've never had any problems with mood disorders or anything like that. I'm super even keel. But watching my children suffer and my fear for them literally took me to the bottom. And I'm like, I need to find a way to heal myself because what happened at the end of that four years is I ended up having to get a biopsy of a lymph node in my right armpit. Um, thank, thank God it was benign, but my oncologist told me, she's like, where is your stress level? I'm like, I can't even measure that. And she's like, you need to reel it in because your body is giving you a message. She said, the next time, it's not gonna be so benign. She's like, so figure out a way to reel it in. And that was really the start of the trifecta where I started learning about neuroplasticity. I actually, I went to Thailand. I, I'm like, okay, because when I do something, I go all in, all the way. So I went to Thailand to a medical spa to completely detox. So I had no food for 10 days. We just oh, wow. did um, wow. juicing, probiotics, yoga, meditation, colonics. And then the most cool thing was ozone therapy, where they actually took out um, a good portion of my blood and put it in my hands in a glass jar and then infused it with ozone, three, um, three molecules of oxygen, and I very slowly tilted it. And you could see that blood go from dark red to bright red. And then on the interior of the, the bottle were these little bubbles, and I asked about those. And they're like, well, that's the cholesterol in your blood. I'm like, oh my God. And they're like, no, 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 believe me, you're in great shape. Some people look like they have pudding in their jars. You're, you're good. So they infused the blood back in me, and I felt amazing. So I came back to the States and I'm like, okay, that was great for my body. Now I need to adjust my mindset. And that's when I started learning about neuroplasticity, our ability to rewrite the operating systems in our brain to heal our thoughts and improve our life. So what started out as a study of anatomy and physiology combined with the study of mental illness and mental health now was combined with neuroplasticity, which was the perfect trifecta for me to apply that in my professional life, which was an amazing tool at managing culture and employees, and that's how that all happened. Wow. Yeah. Long story, long answer to a short question. <laughs> yeah, no, that's great. The, the fact that you uh, undertook that uh, study just really to help yourself and to help your family uh, best case scenario is, is awesome and then that that had application to your to your corporate mm -hmm. life is um, you know it's it's not an accident obviously mm -hmm. um, 
but how did you make that leap then from just sort of applying it to your day-to-day life to deciding to take it uh, to your own business? That kind of came with the epiphany with my, my friend who kind of, I was, I was contemplating to go back into corporate America once I got back to Illinois or to not, and she helped me find the clarity there. It's like, don't leave all of this that you've gained behind. This 30 years of success in business and this 20 years of study of neuroscience, don't abandon that. That's way too valuable. Apply it to business, but do it for yourself because then you're going to be untethered. You'll be able to implement the things that you create untethered in business. Um, and so again, with me, I don't, I don't half-ass anything. My daughter says, you whole-ass everything. So um, next month, I will have completed MIT's course, Neuroscience for Business. Wow. And then um, also in April, I'm starting my doctorate in organizational psychology, just to take it you know, the full way. I do have my master's in human resource management and my bachelor's in business. So again, just putting the package together in very comprehensive, nice little, little box. I have a just a curiosity question. Are these pretty uncommon degrees, the, the applied neuroscience, you know, the, the business neuroscience connection? Because I know, um, I mean, I took anatomy and physiology in college, and when I learned about the brain, it seemed like a lot of mystery kind of right. goes into that. So to, right. to not only understand the brain pretty well, but then to apply it to business, I mean, it seems like a pretty specialized degree. It is. It's in the last couple of decades, it's really come to light, um, and it was kind of precipitated by functional brain scans, being able to see the structures and the function in action. Um, previously, it was thought that after a certain age of 18 or whatever, that our brain was no longer able to form new neural, new neural pathways. Well, now they know that's completely wrong, and wow. it's largely due to functional brain scans. Um, Applying that to business is a very, very new field. Um, and I'm going to mention Dr. Tara Swart Bieber. Um, the universe is a funny place. It will give you the resources and the messages that you need to hear when you're ready to hear them. And so that at the end of my four-year journey trying to help my children, when I decided it's time for me to help myself because I was literally getting sick, I just ran across a podcast um, and it led me to Dr. Tara Swart Bieber. She was a medical doctor who decided she didn't want to be a medical doctor, so she became a psychiatrist and decided she didn't want to become a psychiatrist. So then she became a neuroscientist, and wow. that she finally found her lane. And she's, she's actually on faculty at MIT Sloan, and she wrote the curriculum in the course that I'm currently taking, the Neuroscience for Business. There you go. Now you ask, how does it apply to business? Everything starts in the brain, not just business, absolutely everything. Um, I used to tell people that this is the nucleus of life, but it's even deeper <laughs> than the nucleus. Um, science is always making advances. We used to think that the DNA was the blueprint of our bodies and our health and whatnot. Well, they now know that the DNA is not the blueprint. It's the epi epigenetics. It's our epigenome that dictate how our DNA creates new proteins. So it's deeper than DNA. So the brain, it's deeper than just, you know, the structures. It's the neural pathways. So neural pathways are developed because all living things on the planet have the same parts of the brain. It's the limbic system. It's the fight, flight, or freeze. It's their survival instinct. Everything that's alive that has that. Us humans have a lot more brain. This is where we think and our creativity is, but we all share that very primitive part and it's still fully, fully active, and it's always looking for fear, and it's afraid of change, because back in the day when we're in the caves 
and there's saber-toothed tigers. We had to remember that saber-toothed tigers were dangerous and that perhaps that tribe was dangerous or falling off that mountain will kill us. So our brain was programmed to protect us. Well, now that we live these nice cushy lives and we have plenty of food and warmth and, you know, our brain still doesn't know that. It's still in that fight, flight, or freeze. So that's what we are activated by. What is business? Businesses change. And businesses that don't evolve will dissolve. So we have to be able to address change and manage it from a very abundant mindset, not a fear mindset. And that's kind of how it comes full circle with the neuroplasticity in business. Wow. Even further than that, some of the most successful CEOs, CFOs, COOs, they might be killing it in business, but a lot of them are deeply, deeply unhappy. Why is that? Because they're living in a gap mindset. And most of us live in a gap mindset. We're always thinking about what we haven't accomplished yet, what we haven't done yet, comparing ourselves to other, others and forgetting everything that we've accomplished in our past. There is a great book and it's appropriately titled The Gap and the Gain. And I recommend that to all of my clients. That's one of my first orders of business is like, <laughs> I want you to read this book because in literally one or two paragraph, one or two paragraphs, it can change your life. It's like, stop looking at everything that you haven't accomplished yet, all the goals, your lofty goals, your ideals. Stop focusing on them because you will constantly be in that scarcity lack mindset. And when you're in that mindset, your whole body reacts. It depresses you. It takes your energy away. Take take it all and turn around and look at, oh my God, look at all these things I've accomplished. And when you start looking at all of the things that you've accomplished, it literally creates a stair step that elevates you and it takes you to your maximum potential. So it kind of all starts right there. That's awesome. I have a, a question for you. So when when you see that there's, you know, everyone's living in this, in this gap um, stage and especially like high performers, executives, CEOs, um, and you say that they all have like a similar, would you, would you say that they all have like a similar mindset or from that like neuroscience perspective, is there something that everyone is like, you could say, Hey, these are all, uh, similar traits that they have, or is it, um, kind of all over the board? It's really all over the board. Um, because I think I, I mentioned this just briefly a second ago, our neural pathways in our brain are written by the time we're seven years old which is unfortunate. I mean, it, it helps us to stay alive back in prehistoric days, but it's also unfortunate today because let me give you an example of a client of mine. She remembers the very first report card that she brought home and her mother looked at it and was pleased. Her father looked at it and he's like, we don't get anything but A's and handed it back to her because she'd gotten a few B's. So he was dissatisfied her whole entire life. And this is something that we kind of realized in our, in our interview was that her whole entire life she has spent thinking that she's not smart enough. And so she's got these limiting beliefs that she's not smart enough. And even though, I mean, she's out there killing it in her business. She is an entrepreneur, a female entrepreneur. She's kind of a solopreneur. She's doing her own thing. She doesn't have a big team. She doesn't have a support system. She's doing her own thing. And she's making over six figures. Yet she doesn't feel like she's smart enough. And so that's the neural pathways. And each one of us have different neural pathways. Whereas her father made her feel like she's not smart enough. Someone else's father or parents, you know, might have encouraged their child and told them you can do anything, you know. And it's all about that, you know, it is nature and nurture. It has a profound impact. Um, 
it was thought for the longest time that there was nothing we could do about that well that's been proven completely wrong so to your to your question everyone is different awesome now let's jump into your business mind and more so how that came about um, and what what kind of your offerings are with that and how how it works and how people can use that to their advantage in business sure so my business model um, has different arms of the business um, the one thing that I really love to do is I love to go in and I have a program it's a two-day training program there's three presentations that are specifically for leaders one of them is called the leader that flocks will follow it talks about how to become that leader that employees want to work for one is called the root which talks about why neuroscience and business coaching have to go together because the best business coaching in the world is only as effective as the mind that it lands on and then the other is the why remembering reigniting and reinventing your purpose because we all kind of get on autopilot you know we go to work we do the same things we've got the same goals we have our KPIs we have annual reviews and we're all like on this treadmill and we're just on autopilot well we can't reach our maximum potential like that and then there's four um, presentations that are for leaders and teams that kind of follow the same thing it's a two-day training and it goes all the way through from brain structure and function and how it impacts business remembering your purpose knowing what to do for post-COVID employees. I mean, we all know COVID changed absolutely everything. Um, and, and significantly in, in the realm of employee, employee um, retention, you know, attraction or retention, employees had the upper hand all of a sudden because there is such a scarcity and such a demand for employees that they can demand all kinds of things now. And employers are having a heck of a time bringing in staff. So I talk about how to bring them in, how to attract them, yeah. and how to retain them, and how to increase satisfaction and engagement to maximize productivity. Um, the fun factor is another one of the presentations, making your business a place that both your customers and your employees love. So it's a two-day training. Uh, I go in, we kind of do a baseline. First of all, we kind of see where the organization is as far as productivity, limiting beliefs and employee engagement. We kind of measure that and then we give the training and then I go back a month later and we kind of measure it again to see how much we've gained through that. So that's one thing I, I really love doing that because I see some really quick benefits from that. I also do one-on-one -on -one mindset coaching. If we've got a, lead, a leader, a CEO, a CFO, any of the senior um, executives, if they recognize the fact that they are unfulfilled, even though they might be like ridiculously successful, they just feel unfulfilled, unmotivated, and maybe even be physically sick, I do one-on-one -on -one mindset coaching with them, helping them identify their limiting beliefs, the things that are keeping them stuck, and help them to find their joy and their purpose again. And then the big package is I go in and I meet with the entire executive leadership team it's a conversation that we have. I ask a bunch of questions so I can kind of figure out where they are as an organization. And then I meet with each leader individually to kind of go deeper. And then I go into the employees and I, I kind of evaluate the employees. And then I go back to my office and I, I develop a plan for that organization. And it could be three months, six months, a year. 
each each business is different and so I can go in there and I can do an intensive with that organization and turn it around and I've proven that time and time again as a direct hire for the past 30 years that's very interesting yeah um, I like I, I, I don't want to give away any of your trade secrets but do you have any just general advice for people because I think it's very interesting that you can use neuroscience to uh, attract and keep good help I mean to have good uh, employees so do you have any you know high-level advice for people I do I do and it, it's the why with a part of that presentation mm -hmm. called the why um, remembering reigniting and reinventing your purpose um, the one thing one of the things that COVID did is it really brought to the surface what people value and it, it changed <laughs> it changed from materialism and wealth to family and purpose so leaders have to understand that that's what employees are looking for now. They're looking for value, they're looking for purpose, they're looking for a very good um, family life-work life, life balance. Mm -hmm. And then also to be a part of an organization that has a, a high level of social responsibility. They want to work for an organization that they can be proud of. It's no longer about the money. It's no longer about like the company car. <laughs> it's about living a life of purpose. Things became so much more important after COVID. So having said that though, leaders, and that's why I start with the leadership team, they have to optimize their mindset first because I can go in and I can develop an amazing program but like I said before, the best business coaching and advice is only as effective as the mind that it lands on. And if I go in and I do all these great presentations, I'll leave and everybody's gonna be you know, fired up and ready to go. I guarantee you, if we don't do the mindset work, three weeks later, I'll go back and they will be no better off and often worse off because they're gonna be like, well, that was another waste of time. You have to optimize the mindset first. Wow, definitely. So when it comes to your mindset and branding and marketing, what's your advice to people who are trying to start their brand, um, trying to market their product or service, and how does that relate to like, the way we think, um, the way we act, the way we respond? Mm -hmm. For any entrepreneur, any business owner who's trying to go out there in the world and do something, my my strongest piece of advice to them is identify your own why first. Um, and I'll give you an example of that. That four years that I keep alluding to um, was a very, very expensive four years for my family because I was supporting four households at once. So my savings basically had a huge hole blown in it and we were just hemorrhaging money in my effort to try to save my family. So my why for a long while was recoup, recoup, rebuild, rebuild. And it always felt, again, where was I at? Was I in the gap or was I in the game? I was in the gap mindset. Mm -hmm. So I'm also constantly learning and improving. And that's a good thing too, uh, because this is a muscle. It's like going to the gym. I can't tell you, meditate for 15 minutes today and you're gonna be good. No, you need to meditate 15 minutes or at least five minutes every day. It's a muscle. You can't go to the gym once and expect to be buff. Mm -hmm. You know, It's something right. that you have to do every day. So. When my why was based on my gap mindset, my scarcity mindset, I was not feeling well. I wasn't energized. I was not successful. Mm. And I recognized this and I'm like, wait a minute, I need to reevaluate my, my, what, what my why is. And then when I realized that my why is 
what do I want to do? I want to go on vacation with my husband again. You know, I want to do as much fun things as I can until the day I die. I don't want to work, 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 trying to recoup all of this, thinking that I've got such a long way to go. I want to have as absolutely much fun as possible every day until the day I die. And as soon as my mindset there changed, I launched. So business owners need to figure out their why. They also need to know that Everything they've done in their past is a journey. Don't abandon old skill sets. Repurpose them and apply them to your new purpose. Mm. If something doesn't work out, it's not a failure, it's a lesson, okay? Um, my, one of my biggest tricks is I never think about business when I'm tired. Because when I'm tired, it's so easy to think about everything that's not going well. So whenever I'm tired, I'm like, all right, I'm going to watch Netflix, you know, <laughs> be able to turn it off. Because that's one thing that entrepreneurs really struggle with is moderation, knowing when to turn off the machine. But if you keep putting yourself in a point where your business is stressing you out, you're not going to succeed. It's about balance. It's about being self-aware. It's about taking all of those negative emotions that you know might be going through those bad neural pathways and, and telling yourself, is that actually true? Do I suck at social media? No, you don't suck at social media. You might not be great at it yet, but you have the ability to be good at it. Mm. Rewrite the lie into a truth. Turning off that, yeah. you're, you're right about entrepreneurs, turning off that uh, just needing to get everything done mm -hmm. as quickly as possible. I mean, I, I'm up all night sometimes because I've got yeah. a, a little baby actually and she, wakes us up every now and then and I'll I'll get up and look at my phone and, and see a message from Anthony and, and respond to him at three in the morning and, and he's right back to me you know hey such and such so I, I you know we relate to kind of being on the clock all the time yeah that's a great piece of advice I think yeah it's uh it, it's it's good to hear because it's one of those things that it's it is hard to turn off that like how do you how do you turn off if, especially when you know that you have so much to do growing uh with the growing business it's like how wh where do you find that um in between so you know what what are some good exercises and some good mindset like goals that people can gain or use to be able to start to turn off that um you know machine in, in their head every day okay um i'm just gonna shoot them out as they, they occur to me um <laughs> comparison is a killer do not compare yourself to anyone else Measure yourself against yourself and yourself only. When you get up first thing in the morning, do not look at your phone. Do not look at your phone. I can give you the best advice in the morning and it takes 15 seconds. The alarm goes off, turn the alarm off and think to yourself, this is gonna be a great day and I'm so grateful that I have the opportunity to get up and make a change in this world. Bam, you're gonna go out there. Or you can get up and you can look at your phone, you can look at social media, it's like, man, they're crushing it. Crap, I suck. Oh man, look at how successful, look how happy they are. Oh look, they're in Florida, that figures. Where are you gonna go? You're gonna go in the pit. Don't do that. Set yourself up in the morning for success, right out of the gate, before your feet even hit the floor. Wake up, be grateful that you have the opportunity, you have another day to make an impact in this world. Be grateful for that, be thankful for that, and just take a few minutes. Meditation for me has been an absolute game changer. Um, there's a few practices I do, and this is all in my, my coaching for the leaders. Um, 
and they think, oh, I can't go to the gym for an hour every day. I don't want you to go to the gym for an hour every day because you're going to be stressed out because you're going to work an hour later in the day. Don't. Even 15 minutes of movement. Mm. And then when you get busy and you're working, don't sit down at your desk at 7.30 a.m. and then eat a crappy lunch at your desk at 12.30 and then be sitting at your desk at 2.30 and drink a Coca-Cola or oh, I shouldn't be using brand names. Let's say a cola. <laughs> don't drink a cola or a coffee with a bunch of sugar and cream and get cranky and you have a headache and then at six o'clock you're still at your desk, that's the worst thing you could possibly do. Do not work for more than, I'm gonna say two hours because I, I tell leaders an hour and they're like, Pfft. so I've, I've given them a little bit of leniency. If you're still sitting at your desk after two hours, get up, get up, walk, walk, walk. Just walk for even if it can be just five minutes. There's so many things you can do. You can exercise in your chair. Mm. You can practice breathing, box breathing. When you have that moment when things are getting out of control, box breathing, what do you do? You breathe in four, on a count of four. One, two, three, four, and then you hold it for four. And then you exhale for four. And you hold it for four. Mm. And then you inhale for four. So you do box breathing. Do that three times, it's gonna reset your brain and you can start over again. When you're feeling something negative, take control over it instead of letting it control you. Mm. You have that power and, and do it immediately. It's going to be a practice, and the more you do it, the easier it will get. At first, it's going to feel kind of weird, and like, but again, you're going to notice benefits quickly. So diet, exercise, all of those things, all of those common sense things that we all know are so much more important than people give them credit for. But you don't have to go to the gym five days a week and go to a boot camp class, and you don't have to become a vegan, and you know, baby steps and you find what works for you if you don't want to go and lift weights then take a walk if you can't run take a walk you know if you don't want to do yoga practice meditation and breathing there's something for everybody out there so don't say you can't because you absolutely can yeah those little lifestyle changes make such a difference 100 percent. i mean even when i i got this apple watch however long ago and it starts every 10 minutes before uh, the hour it just says hey time to get up so having that little reminder, I don't always listen, but you know, it, <laughs> just getting up and getting the blood flowing helps a lot. Yeah, for for me, it's the uh, it's the dogs. You know, I get to I get to get up and go take them on a walk and yes. get outside and maybe throw the ball to them. You know, play tug of war for a few mm -hmm. minutes and then I jump back on it. And yeah, it's nice to have like a, a refresher and you feel um, you know just a little bit more calm. You, you know, when you when you get back to it, so it's nice to you know, do that. Cause I, I've, I've definitely had times where I've sat in intense work for, you know, six hours, four hours at a time where, you know, you get into that, you know, time block and, you know, four hours go by and you look at your phone, you're like, oh my God, you know, I can't believe it's four hours just went by. So. And sometimes you yeah. notice your productivity after you just sit there for so long, just starts 100%. to go way down yeah. if you don't break it up. Yeah. And then you get back to your, you know, desk and you look at what you did and you're like, wait a minute, this doesn't seem like what I did and then you're like yeah, I was too too tired man you know that's right mm -hmm. yeah. that's right that's that's so important because if you okay so you've got four hours of work in and you've got this much done and it's done probably about 75% as well as it could have been done because you're tired and you're you know you you didn't get that break or you can take four one-hour sections work for an hour get up for 50 minutes get up for an hour and you'll have this much work done and it'll be great work mm -hmm. yeah so taking those breaks really really moves the needle in, in a big way 
Yeah, definitely. So, you know, in, in terms of your own brand and, and getting everything up and running, how have you been able to apply what you've learned to, you know, building your, your brand? And how have you been able to apply that to um, getting out there, networking, building your business, and getting um, everything just, just up, up and running? I spent all of 2022 basically networking. I networking networking to the to the point of burnout and I, I I'm glad that I'm so self-aware that I could recognize when I needed breaks um, and I would take them but again moving up here where I had never lived before I knew no one so I knew that I had to get out there and network so all of 22 I networked um, me me starting this in this area now is is mindset is very on trend actually so i'm quite lucky that i had 20 years of experience studying neuroscience and neuroplasticity because now people are really starting to like oh yeah there's something to that um i didn't recognize that and say "Ooh, i want to study that i've already been studying it for 20 years so that positioned me very well to be the expert on it and people love to hear about it and Something about me is I have this incredibly high level of emotional intelligence, which is a blessing and a curse. Um, but I can tell when somebody's not quite right. Um, and there's also something about me that compels people to tell me their entire life story. And it's been that way my entire life. And so that really positions me well to be the type of coach that I am because mm -hmm. I do genuinely care for people. And I will seek the best responses and the best actions for them individually. I'm not the type that's just going to be like, well, I wrote this program for you. Here you go. Take it. You know, I'm there with them working through it and I'm available to them if they have questions or they just need a boost. So getting out there, talking to people about it, you know, wearing my brand, handing out some information and just actually having a genuine compassion mm. and then being so good at managing operations administration. And that's the kind of thing, that's my unique value proposition because you've got a lot of business coaches out there. You've got a lot of mindset coaches out there. But you don't have too many people that can do both of those things together. So, and that's where my friend, she's like, Jill, just do that. You know, she's like, you got both of those things. And again, the clouds parted, the doors open. I'm like, I had this moment of clarity. I'm like, oh my God, you're right. And so starting with the mindset, we clean that all up and then we go in and we fix operations. So being able to offer them that kind of propels me above. Definitely. So that kind of leads us into one of the topics that we like to cover a lot in this podcast, which is um, finance and operations. So what do you what do you think in terms of finance and operations? How does that how does that uh, build off of neuroscience and, and what can people do to make sure that they have uh, a good operation? Uh, on the back end while they're out there doing their networking and, and getting their name out there? Um, I don't know if I understand your question. I'll, I'll answer what I think you yeah. asked me. <laughs> but um, as far as how how did I finance and how did I develop my well, operations? Well, uh, just, just tips, tips for finance and operations and a good mindset to have when, when going in into finance and operations and understanding your own business um, and just trying to find the right thing to do for you like what okay. what are some good tips for that how, how to set your own pricing and how to you know keep the keep the shop going while you're spending so much time marketing okay okay i got you um the one thing you need to stop doing is comparing yourself to others mm. yeah, you, yeah you are your own business you are your own entrepreneur you've got your own unique value set um i'm reading a book right now and it's called um 
values-based something or another. I can't remember. I, I'm an avid reader, so I've got three, usually anywhere between three and five books going at the same time. But what it said, um, I was reading it last night, and it said charging by the hour is unethical because if you're a great worker and you're knocking, you're knocking stuff out and you're doing a great job, then you're not charging enough. Okay, you're not making enough because you're over overproducing. If you're really bad at your job, then you're ripping off the person that's paying you. So an hourly rate is usually unethical. So you do values-based fees, and but you need to figure out what your value is. Um, so that's something that's different for every person. Being very self-aware, it's like identifying and again stop comparing yourself to everybody else yes I'm a business coach and there's all kinds of other business coaches but if I look at another business coach I'm like well I'm gonna model my pricing structure after his he's got an entirely different value than I do identify your own value and then if you're having trouble figuring out how to price that there are all kinds of resources out there I've worked with the Harper College Small Business Development Center um, they've been very helpful to me there's an organization called SCORE, S-C-O-R-E. It's the Senior Corps of Retired Executives. They are immensely helpful. Wow. Free. This is all free, too. There's um, a couple places. There's one in Geneva, um, and there's one in Batavia. Um, the one in Geneva is called um, the Fox Valley Entrepreneurial Center, and they help entrepreneurs get things off. There's all sorts of free resources, resources out there. If you can't figure it out yourself, seek help. But don't seek help from somebody doing the same thing that you're doing because mm -hmm. you guys are living in a bubble and you can't <laughs> unbiasedly, you know, measure your value. You've got to talk to somebody from a client perspective to measure that value. Now, as far as marketing goes, make sure you understand, first of all, what your unique value proposition is, what sets you aside, and then hone that in. Um, there is a psychology of selling, and that includes fonts, colors, words. Make sure that either A, you understand those or you get somebody who does and then be consistent. Be consistent with your message, your font, your colors, and your, and your words. Mm -hmm. Consistency is key. And consistency in those um, tangible, visible elements, but also consistent with your presence. Um, I'm not a big fan of social media, but I know its power. So, and this is for every entrepreneur and actually every single human on the planet. Be careful with social media because it can make you sick. I mean, it's a time killer. You can get lost. You can go down rabbit holes. Oh, yeah. When you start doing that, and I'm going to plant this in everybody's brain. I'm looking <laughs> at the camera right there. When you're doing that, ask yourself all of a sudden, am I gaining anything? What am I gaining? Is this helping my health? Is this helping my finances? Is this helping my family? Or is this just wasting time? Because I'll guarantee you a lot of it's just wasting your time. So don't waste your time. Don't compare yourself to others. So my involvement with social media now is very, very self-serving. Self-serving for my business, but guess what my business is? My business is a serving. I'm serving my business owners, my leaders and my entrepreneurs. Yeah. So make sure that whatever you do on social media moves your needle forward and it, it adds to your life. It doesn't subtract from it. You know, find, for example, um, I work with senior level executives. Am I gonna go and make a bunch of TikToks? No, I'm gonna go on LinkedIn, <laughs> yeah. okay? Know where you should be and know how often and what you should put there. It's all about educating yourself as yeah. far as your marketing. Yeah, you're right on with all that. I mean, Anthony and I are, are into branding and it's a, a big part of what we do. We develop branding guides, which is just what you're talking about, you know, the fonts, the colors, mm -hmm. the, you know, you wanna put out that 
uh, specific message and, and know exactly who you're marketing to. I mean, right. that, that's key. Yeah, consistency is, is key with that. Um, you know, especially too with today's age when there are so many brands now. So much noise you know, too out there. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So you know that and that makes total sense. So so we really do appreciate uh, that because I think a lot of people are gonna gonna get that. So if you guys are listening, uh, stop scrolling on TikTok. You know, um, <laughs> even if you, you find this on TikTok, stop right now. Get off your phone. Get off your phone. So yeah. no, that's that's great. And, and what are some stories of people that you've that you've seen uh, that you've worked with? And what was like their mindset? If you had any, any great examples, what was their mindset going into it? And how, you know, how have you seen that change? I mean, get, uh, just give us a couple of good, good examples and some stories that you think uh, people would find helpful. Okay, um, one, of the, one of the situations where I had the most impact or the potential, I'm gonna say potential to impart the most impact was, I worked for a global organization that had done a complete reorg from the executive team down during COVID. So they had gotten, and I was brought in to manage the North America reorganization of this company. So they had um, severed like 86 employees and then hired about 84 back, but they put everybody in different departments. They reorganized all the departments and then they replaced the entire executive team. This is all during COVID. Wow. Yeah, it was a lot. Um, <laughs> but what they didn't do is they didn't know how to reboot operations post COVID. So you've got this completely fractured company that had a very, very toxic legacy gr um, leadership group. It was, it was almost the worst I'd ever seen. Wow. I was a prison guard for a while. That was the worst I ever seen. That was my, <laughs> in my early twenties, but this was a cold second. So I was brought in to manage all of that. So the first thing I was hired to do was to identify all of the vacant, um, retail space or uh, office space like we have a bunch of people that are gone we hired a bunch of people so I reorganized the office space to put our complementary teams together so HR would be next to um, the HRIS system we would put finance by accounting marketing by creative right and so I rearranged all the desks I put all the people where they're supposed to be and then I developed a plan this is still we were still very very COVIDy at the time taking social distancing into consideration, I'm like, this is what we need to do. So we've got new employees, we've got legacy employees. Nobody knows each other. These teammates have no idea who each other are. So I, and what the company needed to do was to come in and have all the employees clean out their desks and so we could move them all around. I'm like, let's do this. Let's bring in these complimentary teams together at the same time, taking into consider social distancing let's bring the legacy employees and the new employees in at the same time let's offer them lunch let's have some music let's have some swag on their desk let them know that we're happy they're here they can network they can get to know each other as teammates and they can meet this amazing new executive team that you have brought in because the new team was great i mean the ceo the president the chief um the vice president of hr a complete 180 from where it was before I started this program, I did an employee engagement and satisfaction survey, and it was bleak, mm. to say the least. I'm like, I can fix this. <laughs> so I, I made this program, and all it would have taken would have been the cost of maybe a lunch per head, right? Um, so that was what we are going to do. I was going to glue that organization back together. 
What they did instead was they sent out an email that said, anytime in the next two weeks, come out and clean out your desks, more to follow, any questions, contact Jill Cook. And I went, oh my God. <laughs> I'm like, are Whoa. you kidding me? So that's what they did. Um, for reasons I have my own, um, my own opinions of why they did it that way, but that's not for this podcast. <laughs> but I stayed throughout that two weeks, and as employees came in, because I would get an alert on my machine that the um, security door had been open, I would go and I would talk to these employees, and I'd say, here's what's happening. Because they all thought they were being fired, because they had just severed like 86 employees. Yeah. So oh. come clean out your desk. Everybody thought they were fired. So I spent two weeks just comforting people and telling them the truth. This is what's really happening. And at the end of the two weeks, I left. I'm like, yeah, you can have this. <laughs> but then two months after I left, the executive team left. So it wasn't me. And I, I'm not sure exactly what happened after the fact. But when I found out, especially when the president left, I'm like, you know, that was a ship that was already sunk. Mm -hmm. But that's the kind of thing that I do. I fix those cultures. Um, I worked for a combined cycle gas and steam plant, an energy plant, kind of the same thing. I went in and the previous HR lady there, she was um, not approachable to say the least. She was kind of crunchy. And so when I came in, the plant was just, it was gray. It was just sad, the people mm. were sad. And so what I did, the very first thing I would did, I went to work every day about 15 minutes early and I would walk the floors and I would talk to everybody. And little by little, it wasn't even slow, it was quickly, the sun came out at that plant. <laughs> and it was just amazing because I do genuinely care about people. And when you genuinely care about people, when you can listen to their problems and genuinely care about them, it can turn things around. So, and there's just example after example of that sort of thing. Leading from the heart and using my years of experience combined with that is, is quite magical. Yeah. I have a, just a quick question for you. You know, you mentioned earlier one of your clients was sort of a solopreneur mm -hmm. and, a, and a lone wolf. Is, is that kind of how you operate? Because I, I notice you're mostly just talking about how you've gone your own way and you do all this consulting and everything. Do you have a support system for yourself? Not yet. I am looking. I'm looking for that perfect person. <laughs> um, you can contact me. We'll talk about that later. But I'm, I'm looking for that, that person that has that. And actually, I'm starting um, a training program April 15th. And um, part of that, it's actually a grant-sponsored um, training program for for business consultants and part of that is I actually have to go out and find my own pod we have to work in pods so I'm kind of on the on the lookout right now for someone who loves people who loves neuroscience who loves business so I need I need at least two people internet <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome that's awesome so what do you have in terms of uh, plans for the future do you have anything that you're planning anything that you kind of want to um, talk about that uh, you know people would, would find interesting well much like you guys I am planning on launching a podcast um, that probably won't be until like the third or fourth quarter of this year I'm thinking probably the fourth quarter um, I'm, I'm lining up some guests right now and some topics but I really need to get my own business processes here really streamlined um, so podcasting and then just doing presentations, um, public speaking events, and I love public speaking. Um, a lot of the times I can do that for no cost, which I'm afraid that I just said that on the internet, but I did, um, but I, but it's what I love to do. So. Yeah. So what kind of public speaking do you do? What, uh, what, what are good events that, that you think would, you, you would like to do? And 
um, you know, how do you get into public speaking too? Because that's something that, you know, we see all these people that uh, get up on stage and, and they're there, they're doing it, but how do you start with that? How do you reach out to somebody to get into an event? So um, kind of like you and I started at the same time with Geneva Chamber of Commerce, you know, working with Chambers of Commerce, working with business alliances, going to networking groups, just volunteering, you know, your expertise, and then word of mouth sort of happens. I do have some goals that I'm manifesting. I'm not going to announce them right now, but I do have, I do have aspirations to get on certain stages within the next couple of years. And it's basically just adding value, providing value real relevant timely specific value to people um, honing your message so that it, it it gives the most value and it has to be relevant and it has to be timely you know I need to talk about things that are happening now and I know I keep referencing COVID but COVID had such a huge impact on people in general um, I went where was I recently um, oh I remember I was at a meeting for a renewable energy company um, and I've been to a lot of these different meetings for renewable energy companies. I worked in renewables for um, quite a number of years. Um, so when a renewable energy plant is getting ready to develop, a, a wind farm or a solar farm or whatever, they go to the community that they want to build in and they have landowner meetings, community meetings. And I've been to, I can't even count how many of those meetings I've been to. Well, I went to one just um, last week and it was contentious. Like I had never seen people wow. looking so hard to pick a fight with people. And I think it's post COVID people are hurt. They're broken. You know, we all got a little bit broken and more so now than ever in, in our lifetime. And it sounds kind of woo woo, but people need love. And I mean, love sounds like I said, like a woo woo flower child selling <laughs> flowers at the airport sort of thing. But it's not because you know what you can have a love for people you can have a love for money you can have a love for hate you can love to wow. hate driving up here in hoffman estates makes me sometimes love to hate because i've never been so convinced i'm gonna die in a car crash but because <laughs> <laughs> i don't have road rage but i can see how people can get it yeah. um, but love comes in different forms and we just need to heal the world we yeah need to so heal. So how does how does compassion and love play a role in business? Do you think from from a standpoint of you know people just want to understand you know in business um, you know at certain I mean there's are, are always certain levels to it but a lot of people like to know and really understand who the person is that they're doing business with and having I think compassion That's is. Right. One of those uh, top qualities as an entrepreneur or a business owner because you're, you're able to understand what somebody's going through and, and put yourself in their position as well so how does that play a role that starts at the top and that's why i always start at the top working to optimize the mindset of the leaders because if your employees don't trust leadership if they don't feel valued if they don't feel cared for they're not going to give a hoot about your business and your productivity is just going to falter and there's going to be a high turnover rate and those things are i mean turnover rate you can quantify but lost productivity is a very difficult thing to measure but it's not hard to measure improvements once you go in there and you improve that leadership mindset and you start implementing you know initiatives that proves to the employees that they are cared about and that they are valued and then you will see a spike in productivity 
So that's where, I, and again, using the word love, I mean, I might be polarizing some people. There's some big, burly, you know, CEOs, I'm not talking about love. Then talk about <laughs> compassion and care. If you care about your employees, it is going to increase your ROI. I think you're right. Um, I mean, needing love, it's not just post-COVID. It's always uh, been true. But yes. I think uh, what's particularly uh, insightful is that how much the changes happen where workers and employees are demanding a loving environment if you if you want to put it that way you know an environment that's welcoming and that's where right. they feel like they're supported and, and they're yeah. friends with the people that they work with and they're connected because uh you know i mean i think you're right everybody's kind of hurt after that time where we really couldn't make those connections yeah. for a long time and yeah. and then the shift of of power where now you've got employers that want that are trying as hard as they can to bring on great employees and, and the employees are saying, well, not if you have such a harsh environment. Yeah, and they're competing against every other employer. Mm, yeah. And so, yeah, you really do have to position yourself as a, a employer of choice. And a lot of these employers don't know how and don't have the time. They don't even know where to start. And that's where I can go in and give very, very practical solutions, very easy to implement initiatives that is really going to increase the level of trust and engagement in their employees. It's not hard. Uh, so another yeah. question I have for you is kind of like a two-part question is, uh, working in an office environment versus now, as you know, we've seen everyone go remote, and also how do you, as we just said, how do you keep up with compassion and love in an environment where everyone is remote like expand on that because i so think that's a good that is that's a very good question i'm glad you asked that you have to um emulate and recreate that water cooler moment you have to give them um, a platform that they can get together even if it's just via zoom and just make it a social hour you can do things like um for example Let's say I work for XYZ organization, but I also know how to brew kombucha, right? So me, I can go home and I can film myself brewing kombucha and I can, I can teach my, my pod at work, this is how you brew kombucha. Or someone else knows how to um, trim a dog's nails that's really aggressive. You, you know, you wrap your head in saran wrap and you plaster peanut butter on your forehead and your dog's looking, you know, and it's just doing things like that. It, it can be by, by Zoom. Yeah. You recreate that social connection over Zoom. You give them the opportunity to do that and make it a priority, a, a priority. And leaders need to show up to those as well because when the leaders show up to those, it demonstrates to the employee that our employer really cares about us and mm -hmm. isn't interested in us as people. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, that is, that is awesome. So, and then for, for people who work in an office environment, what, what can they do if they are feeling that kind of dis, this uh, association with, with everyone in the office, if they're feeling like, hey, I'm, you know, I don't feel like I fit in, I feel like things might be disorganized here. What, what's an advice for people to, that are experiencing that? What, what can they do? From the employee standpoint? Yeah, well, yeah. For, from the yeah, employee standpoint, what, uh, what's a good mindset for them to go into that on, you know, is, you know, because so, sometimes, you know, it might be a good idea to jump ship um, you know, and do what's best for yourself. But other times, you kind of have to work through those those decisions as well. Mm -hmm. I think oftentimes employees don't feel that they have the power to change the culture. Right, right. Most of the times they feel like they can't <coughs> change the culture. I would say the first thing for them to do is evaluate, is this an organization that 
I can feel proud that I work in? Do I provide a product or a service that I'm proud of? Okay, that's where you start. Do I like my product or service of this organization? If they, if they like that, then it's worth sticking around. And then they can talk to their manager and hopefully their manager is receptive to that. And they can even volunteer to create some type of a team building event and request it. And you don't know unless you ask, mm -hmm. okay? So they go to their direct manager and they ask. Um, if, and I don't say ask once, I'm gonna say ask once. If they say no, wait a month or two, ask again. And then at some point they're gonna know, okay, this is a dead horse and I need to go right yeah but they have to try um, and if it gets to the point where they want to stay in that organization and they're not getting anywhere with their their manager find somebody like-minded in their in their team or whatever and just kind of to band together there and it's all about mindset I can sit here and I can focus on how much I don't like that person <laughs> or I can look and like I really like that person it's the gap in the gain yeah. again mm -hmm. yeah I think um, you know even for entrepreneurs and people who are maybe solopreneurs too how can they find that person that they can band band together with or how could they find those people that they they fit in with i know we've talked a lot about um, networking you know you have to be out there you have to be getting your name out and i think a lot of that comes with you know finding that those people mm -hmm. but you know how, how can they do that what's what's a good way for somebody who's in that mindset, have you do you have advice? Do you have any groups, things like that, that uh, people could go and, and look at for yeah. solo entrepreneurs? You have to leave your house. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you have to leave your house. Um, find network groups that are specific to your interests. Mm. I like neuroscience, so I'm going to go find networking groups that like neuroscience. Um, subscribe to newsletters. Um, look, find your competitors and see what they're doing. You know, and it should be more about community and less about competition. And that's a whole new world that we're living in. And I don't like competition, I like community. So find the people that are in the same industry as you are, become friends with them, compare best practices, and find the circles that they're running in. And there's apps out there that you can use and you can type in exactly what you're interested in and you can get a laundry list of things that you can do both in person and virtual. Find your tribe. Yeah. yeah. But again, you have to leave your house. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Yeah, that makes tons of tons and tons of sense, and I, I think that just goes to show, like you, you do, you have to get out there. Um, that's just one of the things that comes with, with being an entrepreneur. Right. And you know, like you said, finding what your value is and uh, you know what what your why is, I think is is absolutely amazing. So, um, yeah. And then now, in terms of you know what uh, other things you've done, I know you actually have some other experiences too. So. Go a little bit into detail on, on, you know, some of the other work experiences you've had and, and kind of how you've, because I know you, you can source a lot of your information from a, a lot of what you've done in the past, too. Right, right. So I mentioned being a prison guard. That was, that's, people love to hear about <laughs> yeah, that. Yeah, so They do. They love to hear about that. And, I'll, and I can actually reference some of what I do now into that. So in my, in my early 20s, I became a prison guard at a women's prison. And um, I have a very high work ethic, a very strong work ethic. So when I am hired to do a job, I do it the best of my ability. When you're a prison guard, that's challenging yeah. because you've got all these inmates that are trying to break rules and trying to convince you to do things you don't want to do. And I was like, no. Um, in training, one of the things they talked, us, talked to us about was being firm, fair, and consistent. I'm like, I can do that. And so I was. 
because of that, I got put on maximum security and mental health the entire time I wow. worked there. Every 90 days, your assignment would get switched. And you could get like a cushy assignment like switchboard where you just do keys and answer phone and never see any inmates. Or these patrols, again, where you never see inmates. Or you can get minimum security cottages, medium security cottages. No, they put me on mental health and maximum security the entire time I worked there because I did my job correctly. Mm. I wow. thrived in those environments because yeah. I was firm, fair, and consistent, but also at the same time, I cared about them. I cared about their concerns. So that's kind of a demonstration of how having a strong self-awareness and a yeah. strong backbone and being able to hide fear <laughs> <laughs> yeah. can help. Um, I worked in higher education because I love education. Um, I worked directly in the president's office at a co um, college, and I was able to deal with a lot of competing personalities. Um, at that level, especially in higher education, you've got your board of trustees um, who all have really strong opinions, um, sometimes really strong opinions of themselves. <laughs> <laughs> and so trying to navigate and manage those while still getting your work done is, is tricky. Um, and so being able to have that emotional intelligence and, and know your audience and being able to craft a message, and you can say the same thing 10 different ways. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So knowing how to say that so it's the most well-received by the person that you intended it to yeah. receive it is, is a gift. Um, what else have I done? I worked <laughs> in energy for a long while um, in a global nutrition company. Wow. Um, yeah, I don't have to get my resume out. Yeah, definitely. Well, well I, I appreciate you going yeah. over all that uh, history because it seems like the through line is that you everything that you do, you take a little bit with you and that's you apply right. it to the to the future. And I think that's really a great uh, thing for everybody listening to the podcast to kind of take with them too. Right. Yeah. You know, instead of that gap mindset of what haven't I done, think about what you have done. I, I think that's... Yeah. And you're right. There's something in every one of those that I've brought with me that I still use today. Yeah. So all those skills. Definitely. Yeah. And, uh, well, you know, we just want to say thank you for coming on the podcast. And it's been an absolute pleasure um, hearing from you. Thank I think you. some of the key takeaways are, you know, be consistent, find your value, find your why, get out of that gap mindset mm -hmm. and get into the, you know, build off the foundation of your accomplishments that you've done. Even if you have failures, those are um, going to be considered lessons learned. So. Yeah, we appreciate you coming on. Thank you so much for coming yeah, on. Thank you. Yeah. We, we hope welcome. everyone can can take this podcast and um, get some gain some knowledge from it. And if I can just add one more thing, it's incredibly important that you understand that your mind can't be healthy unless your body is healthy. Yeah. So don't ever underestimate that. The mind and the body are completely connected, and so you have to you have to nurture both of those. Awesome. Thank you so thank much. You. You're welcome. It was my pleasure. Well, thanks again, everyone, for tuning in to this episode of the Off the Ground Podcast. Uh, be sure to like, share, subscribe, uh, share it with anybody who would be interested. You can always find us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and YouTube. Yeah, thank you guys so much, and we hope you enjoy. Have a great day.